We're very pleased today to have a small group from Heritage Christian University to be sharing with us what that university is doing to carry out the Great Commission that is taking the Word of God throughout all the world and preaching it so that all of the world might have the privilege that we have today to hear God's message. Brother Philip Gold is leading that contingent. He's the director of University Advancement at Heritage Christian University, which was formerly International Bible College until about three years ago, and they changed their name to be a full university, and they offer an advanced uh, degree there at, at this time, and that was the reason for the name change. Philip is a graduate of David Lipscomb College in 1988, receiving a degree in accounting. He worked for approximately nine years in the timber products industry while living in the Atlanta area. In 1997, he joined the staff, which was then IBC, as the controller and spent four years in that position before returning to secular work in 2001. Philip rejoined the staff of Heritage Christian University on December the 1st of, of 2003 to serve as the director of the university's, uh, the director of university advancement. Philip has been married to Maria Ledbetter of Hackleburg, Alabama for 15 and a half years. Philip and Marla have two children, Kayla nine and Preston three. They make their home in Russellville, Alabama at this time. And we're very delighted to have Philip in this group with us, Brother Philip. Thank you, Brother Rinks. We are delighted to be here. Thankful to have the opportunity to worship with you here at Mount Juliet this morning and to be a part of your Mission Emphasis Day. I am uh, thankful that you have an eldership that is interested in bringing missions in to where you can see them and meet them and talk to them. Uh, we were very encouraged this morning to, to hear from Brother Wolf about what's going on with Eastern European missions. Very well done and, and very interesting and very uplifting and encouraging. I bring you greetings from Heritage Christian University and from President Jones. I know he was with you last year for this when we were here before, and I know he would have liked to have been here today. And uh, he is preaching this morning in the Mobile, Alabama area, and so he couldn't be here. But we are delighted to be here. Uh, you're going to hear from some of our students and also from Travis Harmon, our Director of Admissions. What's going on at Heritage Christian University right now? Our enrollment is around 150 for the spring. Travis will give us probably a more exact number in that regard. But anytime we share an update regarding what we're doing at Heritage Christian University, I think we need to go back to the Bible and notice what the Bible says because it gives the mandate for what we try to do. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 21 was just read in your hearing, and I would add to that Romans chapter 10 verse 14. Because the Bible there says, How then shall they call in Him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in Him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? In the early 70s, Heritage Christian, then International Bible College, was brought into existence because the need was there for an institution that would train those to preach, offering a four-year degree in Bible. Our mission is what it's always been. 
It is to offer a degree, an accredited degree in Bible. We've added a master's degree, and as Brother Rings mentioned, we changed the name of the institution about three years ago. We did that for another important reason. Some of our foreign students, when we were a college, they would go back home to their countries, and their government would look at their degree like we would look at a high school diploma. And we found that many of those governments, when they see a university degree, then recognize that more like we would. And so there were several important reasons for changing the name, but the mission never changed. Our goal is to recruit, encourage those who will be proficient communicators of the gospel. We're training folks to go out into the brotherhood and be balanced, to be optimistic, to be positive in their approach to sharing God's truth with the world who needs to hear it. So our mission is what it's always been. Students from other countries make up our enrollment. Students, what we would consider traditional students, are a part of our enrollment, those who would just be out of high school. But many of our students are those men who are at a point in life where they realize they need to make a career change. They've been involved in secular work and they've decided there's nothing that will fulfill them other than preaching. And so many of our students are married men with, with families who come in and are, are changing careers. That's important because Mount Juliet is involved in helping us with scholarships. You all are providing scholarships for folks to come to school. And many times that older man who is making a career change is going to stick with it. And so as you invest those funds in training those folks, you can know that it is being done stick with the commitment that they've made. Why is our work important? Churches of Christ need balanced, Christ-centered preaching if we're going to grow. If the population of heaven is going to grow, the church has to grow. For institutions like Heritage Christian, we're supported by individuals, by friends, by congregations of the Lord's church. That's our support base. And what we see right now is we see a support base that is shrinking. Anecdotal evidence shows that right now as a brotherhood, we have more preachers who are retiring than we have preachers who are being trained up to come in and fill their shoes. And so what does that mean? That means that there are congregations out there today who are beginning to find difficulty in finding a preacher. A congregation such as this is never going to have that problem. But some of the smaller congregations out there are beginning to experience that. So the need for us to be training those who, who can preach has is, is never been any greater than it is now. And I'll illustrate it this way. This is an illustration that President Jones uses. It says if you took the U.S. population of a up into villages of 10,000 people each, and you were going to assign one preacher to work with each village of 10,000, today we would need 17,000 additional preachers just in this country alone. And if you take that illustration and you take it to the world's population, we would need an additional 600,000 preachers in our world today. We've still got a world that needs to hear the gospel. And so we continue to be involved in the work of training those who will preach. Normally, at this point, 
I like to talk about some of our individual success stories. Some of those men who are out there walked out I saw that so I won't bring him up first unless he gets back uh, we've got Raymond and so the three of them are going to share some information about their story where they've come from why they're at Heritage Christian what they plan to do and then after they're done Travis Harmon our director of admissions is going to come he's going to share some things related to his work and he'll in, he'll offer the invitation this morning so we're going we're gonna to jump forward. We were going to bring Ricky up first, but at this time I want to bring Raymond up and let him share with you. We thank you for your support and your interest in Christian education. Um, good morning. Um, it's wonderful to be here. I would uh, firstly like to thank God for, again, giving all of us the opportunity, the time, just to gather together on the first day of the week to uh, praise and glorify Him before we go into the week. Um, my name is Raymond Christian Voigt, Jr. You can call me Raymond, you can call me Christian, you can call me Jr. I am from Western Samoa. Uh, you've probably never heard of it. Some people keep saying Somalia, but it's Samoa. It's not a Hispanic country. It's in the Pacific. If you don't know where it is, I'll show you. Coming from L.A. to Hawaii, take a hard left for five hours if you're on plane, and you'll be there. You won't miss it. It's a little dot in the Pacific, and um, I thank all of you for your support, for heritage, um, for your time. But I'd like to ask you to support them in one more thing, and it is probably the greatest support you can ever give heritage. It is prayers. Uh, I come to Heritage from Samoa, and I found out about the church in Samoa because of uh, a Heritage graduate, Randy English. He's a 10-foot-tall man in the mission field, and he is wonderful. And I found about, about the church there. My country is a little dot in the Pacific. It's very small. A tsunami could take over it, but... Uh, 200,000, 200,000 somewhat people in my country. The, that's the population. Uh, by the way, he told me to do five minutes. After five minutes, I'll shut up and sit down. And the uh, thing I wanted to say is uh, my country has a population of 200,000. Um, most of the, uh, rel the religion that dominates the country, about 46% of it is Congregational Christian Church. 26% is Methodist, and then there's the Catholics and the Mormons. Our church isn't even ranked. It's not even recognized. Why? Because it is less than a decade old. And the uh, church back at home at my country is only about three congregations strong. I think my country... someone away from what they already believe is really hard than in trying to introduce somebody to Christ. Wonderful presentation about Europe. I want to go to Europe and uh, be a missionary there for a while. But anybody who wants to come to Samoa, please, it's a mission field. It's a hard one. 
And uh, I get training from Heritage to go back and change the status. You know, the church is not recognized at all. And I want to change that. And by goodness, I need a lot of help. A lot of help. Um, I thank you again for helping Heritage. Me, as a foreigner coming to this country, had to learn a lot of things. Had to learn what a tater and a mater was. <laughs> I had to learn what naha and yaha was. And I even had to learn how to be alone. But uh, Heritage is like a family for me. And they stand partly because of you. And so I thank you. Proverbs 22, verse 1 says, It is good to have a, much more better to have a good name than riches. And we all have a good name. We're all Christians. And I ask you all to help the cause. Preach the word. Christianity. And I thank you. I'm Ricky Humphreys. I'm from Cordova, Alabama. And just like Raymond says, he does need a lot of help. <clears throat> but right out of high school, I, I joined the Army, and I grew up through high school listening to preachers like Wendell Winkler and Flavel Nichols. And I grew up listening to those men, and I wanted to be just like, just like them. But right out of high school, I joined the Army, and I was in the Army for two years. Then right out of the Army, I was looking for places to go to further my Christian education so I could go out and be just, just like those men. But I grew up in the shadows of Gus Nichols. In Walker County, he, he probably started all the churches in, in Walker County. And I grew up just right after he died, was when I was born in 1981. But hearing stories of Brother Nichols just expired, ex inspired me to be just like him. You no know, stories would, he would go and study for all night long, then get up in the next morning just to walk to answer a guy's question. Well, stories like that built me up. And I was at Indian Creek Youth Camp, where I loved to go every summer. And I met some students that, go, that went to Heritage. Matt Thigpen, which is one of my good and close friends, he told me that Heritage Christian University is just like camp. You go, you have friends, devos, and Bible classes, and it will spiritually lift you up. And I met people like Raymond. <clears throat> I forgot his name for a second. And they just, they do, they spiritually build you up. You have friends that will never leave you. And I know Raymond, when I first got to Heritage, everybody said, watch out for Raymond and Patrick. And I never knew it, but they like to hug people. When I first got there, they hugged me, and I didn't know what was going on, because right after the Army, I was afraid of people. <laughs> <laughs> and for somebody just to come up and hug your neck, it will surprise you. But after being around Raymond and other people like him, it will spiritually build you up. And I have been, I, I've just finished my first full year, and I am, I have to say, I am very spiritually built up because of people like him and the instructors and like Philip <clears throat> today. And just being around churches and Christian people will actually build you up. And learning, learning from the instructors at Heritage has gained me the knowledge <clears throat> and the knowledge to go out and teach people and bring others to Christ. Thank you. <clears throat> Good morning. Um, they say the best for last. <laughs> my name is Brian Lloyd Miller. And yes, that is my real name. I'm from Jamaica. People think I have this last 
name that sounds like guacamole, you know. But my name, that's my real name. Um, I'm a senior this year, and um, I want to echo some of the sentiments that Raymond said. I want to thank you all for, see, I'm, say, I'm saying y'all. Thank you for, for supporting Heritage. It's a great work. And um, in helping Heritage, you help people like myself who are a long way from home to, to, to further ourselves, to further promote the gospel. Because there's a world out there that do not know Christ. And um, it's, our, it's our job to, to, to ensure that, that they get to know Christ. Well, this, like I said, I graduated in May, and hopefully I may get to do my master's there. Uh, it's a wonderful place. You, you get to meet wonderful people, even those who forget your name, but it's okay. But um, guys from different countries and different cultures, and you, you learn to accommodate other people. You learn to assimilate. You learn to become effective in, in presenting the gospel. Right now I work at Chisholm Hills, and, and I work in the prison ministry. And in, in, in under two years, we have over, had over 200 converts. So it, it's a great work, and um, I look forward to, to, to go, going into the mission field. And by the way, on February 27th, I get married you know, to a wonderful girl. And I, I'm hoping uh, to speed the process so that she don't wake up and realize that I'm really, you know. See, she's sitting under, under my spell right now, so by the time she realizes, it will be too late. You know? Um, but before I leave, leave you, I want to leave, it, leave you with this passage of scripture. It's Luke chapter 4, verse 18. It says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he appointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and to recover of sight to the, to the blind, to set free those who are, who are downtrodden, to proclaim the favorable, the, favorable, sorry, the favorable year of the Lord. And that's, what, and that's the gospel in a nutshell. We have the responsibility. And just like, I love the movie Spider-Man, you know, with, with a great power comes great responsibility. And we have that great power, so we have that great responsibility. Thank you. Good morning. I would say that they saved the best for last, but I found out this morning that apparently they saved the last for last. We got here a little early, and we were sitting out in the... Uh, car and preparation is the key to success preparation is the key to success and so I was sitting down in the car we got here a little early and I was looking over my lesson my notes and what I wanted to say and I don't know I, you know, I had this, uh, this one of these bright moments and I looked over at my wife and I said you know I, I think I have discovered the secret of preaching a great lesson and I was going to tell her you know you take your outline and you just cut out half of it and then you're just presenting the good stuff and that's a great lesson but she looked over at me after I'd asked her the question. She said, you let somebody else preach it? Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited about the opportunity that I have to speak to you for a few minutes. And I'm going to cut out about half of it, so maybe that'll make it better. I, right after I graduated the school and I started preaching one of the ladies at the church, my first real sermon, and uh, I was at the back door talking to everybody and this lady come up and she said if you preach like that you will always have a job and I you know I straightened my tie I thought wow she said yeah if you can just keep it under 20 minutes <laughs> but I am excited about this opportunity and I know that a lot of times we it's kind of scary to have somebody get up and to speak 
to a congregation. And I appreciate that you have that kind of trust in us, that you're willing to let us bring people up here and just let us get up and say what we want to say. That does take a lot of trust. I used to work for the police department before I came back to work for the school. And I was preaching full-time, part-time, and I was working at the police department full-time. So the only way I could do that was I'd work third shift. And so I would work all night on Saturday night. I'd get off. We worked 12-hour shifts. I'd go into work at 6. I'd get off at 6. And I preached at a small church that couldn't afford to have a full-time preacher. And so we would drive 41 miles after I got off work of working all night. I'd preach and teach a class, drive 20 miles back to my mom and dad's house, and I'd take a nap. I'd drive back 20 miles, preach, and then I'd drive back 40 miles, change clothes and go to work and work from as early as I could till 6 o'clock the next morning. I think that that's the kind of people that we're training at Heritage. We're training people who are dedicated. Heritage Christian University is a strange place. We're, as far as I know, we're one of the only places in the entire world where all we do, we have a single focus. And the only thing that we're doing is we're training people who are going to minister. Men and women who want to partake of the work, who want to join the force. And that's what we do. And I'm excited about that work, and I appreciate this opportunity. One of the very first, I was on the TAC team at the police department, and one of the first raids I ever went on, I got, we got all dressed up in our little black gear and got my BDUs on, I got my gun, and we got my raid jacket on, and I got in our van, and we snuck up to this little house trailer that we were going to hit with our search warrant. And there's two kinds of search warrants, if you don't know. There's a knock and announce where it's kind of crazy, but you have to knock on the door and say, police department search warrant, you know. The other kind is a no-knock, but you almost never get a no-knock warrant. You have to knock and announce who you are. And so we snuck up, and we were hiding on this trailer's front porch, and my breacher got up there, and he was fixing to blow this door wide open with his battering ram, and, but we don't really just police department search warrant. You know? He beats on the door, bang, 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 police department search warrant. And I was nervous, you know, my hands were all sweaty, and apparently this guy had a friend that would do that as a joke, and so this guy yells, you know, from the inside of the trailer, Ah, oh, Fred, come on in. And so we did, you know, we just came on in, and he got excited. And you never know what's going to come through that door when opportunity knocks. And we were excited, and he saw us, and he got excited. And I hope that's kind of the way it works this evening, this morning. I hope that seeing us gets you excited about the work. And that you get excited about the opportunities that are before us. Like I said, preparation is the key to success. Preparation is the key to success. For salvation, preparation is the key to success. For your salvation, it's the key. And for the salvation of other people, it's the key to success. You can turn to Ezra chapter 7 is the verse that we're going to look at. Ezra chapter 7. I think every, every preacher should have a sermon on this verse. There's a story told about uh, two lumberjacks, and one, of the, one was a young man and the other was an older man. And they had two big trees that they were going to chop down, and, and uh, they, you know, the younger guy kind of smiled over at the older guy and said, you want to race? And so the older guy said, sure. And so he said, go. And the young guy got up and just started hacking away at this tree. But the older gentleman, before he got up and started, he took a file and he filed down his axe a little bit and turned it over and he meticulously filed down the other side. And then he got up and he started to chop down his tree. Well, of course the older gentleman won. And the point is, preparation is the key to success. It's better to take a little bit of time and to be ready for what your task is. And that's what Heritage Christian University does. We prepare people. 
so that they can go out and they can fulfill the mission and do it efficiently and effectively. In Ezra chapter 7, there the Bible tells us, and I like the way that the uh, King James translates this, but in, in Ezra chapter 7 verse 10, it says that Ezra prepared his heart. Ezra prepared his heart. Preparation is the key to success. That's the point. You know, you can leave, you'll, you'll forget everything else, but you'll remember that preparation is the key to success. And Ezra, he prepared his heart. And he prepared his heart for three tasks. To know the law, to do the law, and to teach the law. And I think that's what we do. As Christians, that's our responsibility. That We have a responsibility. We have to know the law. And we have to do the law. And we have to teach the law. And our school, that's what we're about. We are people who want to know what God's Word is. And we want, the, we want to know what God has in store for us. And we want to be able to do that. But we cannot neglect that third point of the preparation of our heart. And that's teaching other people. And I appreciate you because you are involved in that. Through helping the school, you are aiding those people who are going to go out and who are going to teach. Randy English, one of our graduates, has been doing that. And on and on and on and on, I could talk about different individuals who have gone out, who have left the school and graduated, and are now teaching God's Word. We have to prepare for everything that we do. We have to prepare our heart. In 2 Chronicles 12, 14, it says there that he did evil because he did not prepare his heart to seek the Lord. Speaking of Rehoboam, that he did evil because he did not prepare his heart. If you don't prepare your heart, let's say that it's a garden, and you want to prepare your soul. A few weeks ago, or a few days ago, we had some 70-degree weather, and I started going outside looking where I wanted to plant my garden this year. I may be jumping the gun a little bit, but I'm getting ready. I want to prepare my garden. Well, you want to prepare that soil to grow your fruit, and you want to continually till that and work that soil. If you do not prepare it to grow your vegetables, it's going to grow grass. You have to prepare your heart. If you do not prepare it to know the law, to seek the law, and to teach the law, it's prepared for the hands of Satan. The police department, one time we got ready to go do a raid, and the way we learned how to do raids was by the mistakes that we had made. In salvation, you can't work that way. You know, you have to know up front how to be saved. You don't happen upon success, especially where salvation is concerned. And so one of the raids, we got ready, and uh, it, we were going to hit another trailer. And this time, we in our planning session... Our breacher, we have this tool that'll pop a door that opens out. And you stick this big, like a big screwdriver, you stick it in there, and you hit it with the battering ram, and then you just pry it open, and any open-out door will just pop wide open. You can just run in. Well, our breacher, he had hit this house trailer before that uh, when he hit it with the battering ram, he hit the door jam, and it pushed the locking mechanism away from the door, and the door would pop open. And so he thought, nah, you know, that's what I'll do. And so we tried to talk him into, let's take this, we call it a hooligan tool. So let's take the hooligan tool. And he said, nah, no, nah, I'll show y'all how to open a trailer door. So okay. We got there, it was an open out door. And he starts hitting this door. And he hits the door, and he hits the door, and he hits the door, and he hits the door. And by this time, everybody that was inside had run out the back door. And 
we had gotten a couple people on the back door, and so they were gathering up all the people. And it took us two or three minutes, actually, to get in the door. And by the time we got in, he had beaten this whole side of this trailer in. It was terrible. Just terrible. Well, preparation is the key to success. You want to take the tools that you're going to need. When you take the proper tools, then you can do the proper job. And we want to train people to have the proper tools that it takes to be evangelistic. We need to know the law. We have to prepare our hearts to seek the law, to learn more about it. I encourage each of you, we have a distance learning program. If you'd like to take classes through video, DVD, or even the Internet, we have the capability that we can do that now. As a matter of fact, we're working very hard to try to set up schools in other countries where we can take our, our DVD library and put it in other countries and so that we no longer have to bring people to our country to train them, but we can leave those people in their own country and we can do it much more cost-effective and train them that way. We have, to, we have to seek the law. We have to do the law. We have to obey. And we have to teach. We have to teach the law. The Great Commission tells us that we have to teach the law, that we have to teach other people about Christianity. Our world's in a mess. I don't know if you recognize it recently, but our world, our, the ethics in our country is in a terrible mess. I've conducted a couple little experiments recently where I asked people, what does ethically good mean? And they say something to the effect of, well, that's not doing bad. Well, what is bad? What is ethically wrong? What is bad? Well, that's when you're not doing good. And there's almost no situation where you can ask somebody, what does ethically good mean? And they can give you a good working definition of what ethically good is. Well, ethically good is doing God's will. To do that which is right in the sight of God. Too many people are just like... Israel of old, that there was no king in Israel and they did that which was right in their own sight. And that's the problem that we have in our society today, that everybody seems to be running around doing that which is right in their own sight. And that we're no longer seeking the law. That we're no longer obeying the law and that we're no longer teaching others the law. And that's the key to success. We have to do something. We've got to have to change something about this world. We're going to have to start teaching more effectively. We're going to have to start teaching more ministers. We're going to have to start teaching more people so that they can go out and teach more people. One of my favorite movies, and this can be your homework, and I'll spoil the movie for you, but it'll still be good, but Lord of the Flies, the original 1950 black and white version. Rent that one and watch that or read that book. But in that movie, it's a it's not just a great and entertaining story. Really what it's about is about the ethics in our world. And this will be a great Devo for you sometimes to watch that movie. Get the black and white and watch the movie. And realize that this is an analogy of the ethics in this world. And what happens in the movie, if you haven't heard it or haven't, if you haven't watched it or haven't read the book, is that there's an airplane and it's full of little boys from about age 7 to about age 13. And this airplane crashes on a deserted island in somewhere in the, somewhere, this island that's somewhere in the ocean. And this airplane crashes and all the adults are killed, but the, I was going to say the Pacific, but I figured everybody would think that you were one of them. 
And that's where we got Raymond. But this airplane crashes somewhere in the Pacific, and there's a, this deserted tropical island. And all these little boys are on this island, and now they have this strange situation where they have become the adults. And so what the movie does, you don't realize it because you're just watching a movie, but what the author's trying to do, he's, he's drawing this comparison, and this island represents the world. And so all these little boys are now stranded on this deserted island, and the plot as it develops, what happens is these little, these little boys, they, one of them says, let's go swimming, and the other one says, no, we can't go swimming because my mom, she wouldn't let me go swimming. And the other one says, your mom's not here. Well, that's the way our world is. There's no one here to tell us what's right and what's wrong anymore. So we just get to do whatever we feel like doing. There's no one here that tells us or spanks us when we do wrong, and so we just get to do as much wrong as we want to do. And these little boys continue on, and it eventually works out that there are these two tribes of little boys. One of the little boys are saying, one of the little boys says, we've got to do what's right because it's right no matter. The other group of little boys say, we can do whatever we want to do because we're the ones that determine what's right and what's wrong. And eventually it gets to the point where all of these people are converted to this tribe that says we can do whatever we want to do. And they start to wear little loincloths. And if they want to beat up one of the younger kids, they just beat him up. If they want to take away something, they take it away. Because there's nobody there to tell them what's right and what's wrong. And they get to do whatever they feel like doing anytime they want to do it. And it gets to the point where they get to kill. And they can kill because there's nobody here that says that you can't do that. And there's one little boy left, the leader of the other tribe... And he's still running around saying, you can't kill people. It's wrong. You can't do that. It's wrong. We were always taught that that's wrong and you can't do that. And the other group is saying, we don't like you telling us what's right and what's wrong. We're sick and tired of that. As a matter of fact, we're going to kill you. And they're chasing him down the beach. And you know, Christians, we're just like that one last little crazy boy that's left on the island. And we're the ones that are standing up and saying, it's wrong. Abortion's wrong. And I don't care if you like it or if you don't like it. It's wrong anyway. Homosexuality is wrong. I don't care if you want to. I don't care if you like it. It's still wrong. And Christians, they, the world thinks that we're crazy because they're the ones that are standing there telling us, we don't like you telling us what's right and what's wrong. We don't like you judging us. We don't like you telling us what we should do and what we shouldn't do. And so the very end of the movie, as they're chasing this one little last boy down the beach and they're about to kill him because they're sick and tired of this little boy telling them what's right and what's wrong, and just before they've got their sharpened off sticks, and just before they cram it into this poor little boy's chest, he looks up and he sees these polished, white, these polished black shoes of a sailor and these starched white pants and the sailor outfit of the sailors that have come to rescue him. And that's where the movie ends. But brethren, I don't know which one of the two tribes you're on this morning and I don't know which one you want to be on but I want to be that last little crazy boy who's running around this world and saying this is what we need to be doing this is what we need to be going by because this is right whether you like it or not ethically right is ethically right whether you want to say that there's ethics or no ethics whether you say that there is no God we teach our kids in 6th grade science class that you, know, there are, you don't have to answer this one but there are plants and there are animals which one are you? And our kids say, well, we're animals. And so they grow up and act like animals, and we're surprised and shocked. Well, God created plants, and God created animals, but He created something else, too. He created humanity. And we're bound by God's law of ethics, and we're bound by God's law, God's law of morality. And we need to seek 
God's law of morality. And we need to obey God's law of morality. And we need to be teaching other people about God's law of morality. This morning, if you're in the wrong camp, if you've been going around doing those things which seem right to you, and you've been going around in your own life and making yourself happy, that may, be, that may seem fine right now. And there's nobody here that's going to take you outside and spank you for doing, your, for, for doing it your way. But there's going to come a day when that sailor who represents Jesus Christ returns to this world. And then it's going to be really important which one of these two tribes you've been associating with. And I promise you there's going to come that day. And I'm going to be that last little boy who the world's chasing down. And I'm still going to be screaming as they, th as they try to stab me. Right, still right. And wrong, still wrong. And you still have to hear and believe and repent and confess and be baptized to be saved. Yes, the salvation of others requires preparation. And so does your salvation require preparation. And you have that opportunity this morning. If there's something that's amiss in your life, if you need to change, if you need to repent and be converted, don't pass up this opportunity. But won't you come as together we stand and sing?